0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: Well, I've been looking forward to our overview of the book of Haggai, and I've uh, been in deep study on this, and I'm excited to deliver some truths from God's Word that I think will be beneficial and helpful to our church family tonight. But then Brother Cooper went and preached the entire Bible last week. I mean, I think he covered from Genesis to Revelation. I don't know if there's anything left. And so uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that message last week, Brother Cooper. And I'm thankful that he's definitely a better preacher than a basketball player. Amen. And so we're praying for Brother Cooper. We thank the Lord for you. And I appreciate your friendship. I have a little lengthier introduction and, uh, and then a little shorter message tonight. And so if you'll just kind of bear with me as I kind of lay up the groundwork here. Haggai is the first of the, uh, of the post-captive prophets. Uh, there are 15 prophetical books and uh, several of them before the captivity. Two of the books are written during the captivity. That's Ezekiel and Daniel. And then, of course, the last three minor prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, all come on the scene after the captivity when a remnant of 50,000 Jews have returned to Jerusalem. Haggai and Zechariah were contemporaries, and Malachi uh, comes on the scene about a century later. The book of Haggai is a series of four messages, and it's important for you to take note of that. Uh, Three were dedicated to the remnant of God's people who had returned. And then the last message was given to the governor himself. And so there's a strong relationship between the book of Haggai and the book of Ezra as they both focus on the rebuilding of the temple. Now, I would have used the word rebuild, but the word rebuild was already used for the book of Nehemiah. And, of course, we're ascribing a letter R-word to each of the books as we go through book by book. Now this remnant had left the luxury of Babylon and they'd traveled back to Jerusalem. This great city had been destroyed many years prior and God's people uh, were coming back with the intent to rebuild the house of God. But the tragic reality was that not long after they started this project, they came to a halt. Some financial obstacles and some political oppositions kept them from continuing the project. And instead of uh, of seeking the face of God and finding a way to move through these obstacles, they began to focus on their own selves and their own houses and, and really paid their attention to their own lives. And there's nothing wrong with building your own house or having a remodel, but what we have to understand is that for some 16 years they were preoccupied with themselves. If they weren't going to build the temple, we have to ask ourselves, why did they return from Babylon in the first place? The book of Zechariah takes place midway between Haggai's second and third message found in chapter 2. Each of these messages are dated for us. As you go through uh, the passage here, and I won't take time for that, but you can see that they're dated. And they're set against the backdrop of Ezra chapter 5 and Ezra chapter 6. I thought of several R words for the book. I thought of the word recess. Of course, the people had been taking a long recess from this temple project. One of our young men at Home, at home uh, Coming recently said that recess was his favorite subject. You know, the reality is, oftentimes, recess becomes God, the, the people of God's favorite subject as well. As they often find excuses not to serve the Lord. Many of God's people seem to be at extended recesses when it comes to their service for the Lord, and yet God is saying to us through Haggai, it's time to build the house of God. I want you to please understand that as we come to the book of Haggai, it's a clarion call to us to finish the work that God has called us to finish. This book calls us to renew our service to the Lord. So renew is the word that I've chosen for the book of Haggai because the people of God had to renew their service for God in several ways. And we're going to look at those areas tonight as God allowed them to finish the temple and be productive servants for the Lord. But as we consider this word renew, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians four sixteen: Though our outward man perished, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Colossians 3 10 and have put on uh, the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him Titus 3 5 not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost So with all this in mind, let's draw our attention now to Haggai chapter 1 and look down with me if you would beginning in verse number 1 in the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus spaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Basically, he's saying, your custom, luxurious homes. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You ever lose something because of a hole in a pocket? And he's saying, God is judging you because of your ways. That's what verse 7, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And then he says in verse 8, go up in the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Tonight, we're going to look specifically at the four ways we must renew our service to God in 2020 as we look at the four various messages that Haggai delivered. In these powerful messages, God reveals to us the sin that keeps us from serving the Lord and the truths that we can apply to our life that are the remedies for faithful and fruitful service to the Lord. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to hear my Savior say, well done thou good and faithful servant someday. My first thought this evening is there needs to be a renewal of selfless service. There needs to be a renewal of selfless service. As I get into the message tonight, I want you to be very clear about understanding the fact that. That in my opinion, there's not a more selfless pastor and pastor's wife and more selfless church than North Valley Baptist Church and Pastor Mrs. Treber. I hope you understand that. And I hope that you remember tonight as I stand behind this pulpit and preach, I've been confined to the book of Haggai. And understanding that, I think we can move forward. God's people uh, had stopped making the Lord their priority. And... They had stopped serving the Lord and began to serve themselves and life became all about them. They decided they no longer wanted to serve God and in fact decided they wanted God to serve them. I don't know about you tonight, but I think we need to renew our desire to serve God and let the Lord know that we're here to serve Him and thank Him for His blessings, but make sure He knows we're not looking for Him to serve us god is saying through haggai i'm going to confront these people about their ways look with me if you would at verse 5 therefore thus saith the lord of hosts consider your ways verse 7 thus saith the lord of hosts consider your ways turn with me if you would to chapter 2 and verse 15 the bible says as we look down at verse 15 and now i pray you consider chapter 2 verse 18 consider now the end of verse 18 says consider it Excuse me. Obviously, God was desiring for God's people to consider. God says, I'm going to give you some good reasons to get back on my program. It was the political and economic problems that God's people were using as an excuse not to build the house of God. And God was saying, it's time to build the temple. Maybe you know of a parent who looked at a child and says, I'll give you something to cry about. The people had their excuses and god was holding back their financial gain and god was keeping their crop from being bringing the increase and god was telling the people you need to consider your ways why had god called them out of babylon and brought them back to jerusalem to build the house of god 16 years later god is saying consider your ways you see their attitude was how are we supposed to build the house of god we've got all of these problems And the Lord answers the question very clearly. In chapter 1 and verse number 8, it's very simple. You go up to the mountain and you bring wood. Kind of just like you're building your own houses. Just bring the wood to my house instead of your house. The answer was very simple. We must understand tonight that God expects us to do the work that he's called us to do. God is pleased and glorified when we're obedient to him and without him we can do nothing. These people were not placing God as the first priority of their life and I'm thankful for Colossians 1.8 at the front of this pulpit tonight that in all things he might have the preeminence. I'm reminded tonight of Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You want your needs met? God says you better seek me first in your life. We will never renew our service until we consider our ways and consider our Savior. Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. You see, Christ gave His life for us, and it's only reasonable that we give our lives back to Him. My friend, tonight it's time to serve the Lord. My grandmother used to always say, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last they considered their ways and they changed they began to rebuild the temple you know when we're confronted by the word of god there should bring there should be change in our life that should bring change into our lives i have not the time but you can read through verses 9 10 and 11 of chapter 1 of all the things that god brought upon the land because they weren't serving him and uh, being faithful to his program, and they were kind of running their own agenda. And yet, as they turned back to God, and they obeyed the Word of God, look with me at verses 12, 13, and 14 of chapter 1 tonight. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Now, you'd have to be a preacher to appreciate this because a lot of times you stand up and you deliver the Word of God and oftentimes people don't respond to the Word of God. And I'm thankful that in this particular passage, the people responded to the Lord. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. He goes on to say, In the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord God had sent him, And the people did fear before the Lord. I believe oftentimes people are disobedient to God because there's not a holy fear of God. And when we understand that God is the one who's in control of it all, He's in control of all the increase. He's in control of our health. He's in control of it all. It helps us to have a holy fear of God. And so we see that they're obedient, verse Number 13, And then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I love this statement, I am with you. I love that promise, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit. Of course, we see the spirit of Zeru- uh, Zerubbabel and, uh, and uh, of Joshua, uh, who's the high priest there, and then all the remnant that uh, that remained there. So all the people are stirred up to do a work for God. God says, I'm with you. You know, it's an amazing thing when we repent and we turn back to God, when we've been confronted with the Word of God. It's an amazing thing how God stands ready to help us, to forgive us of our sins, to move past our mistakes, and He stands ready to step in and to help us. We see, first of all, tonight, there needs to be a renewal of selfless service. How is your service For the lord tonight we don't know when the lord will come again and so we must serve him faithfully now while we have opportunity there needs to be not only a renewal of selfless service but there needs to be a renewal of spiritual sight as we come into chapter 2 and we embark upon the second sermon that's found in verses 1 through 9. there were some in the older generation who had remembered Solomon's temple. And now that they were making progress on this uh, this temple to rebuild it, it, it was uh, uh, really taking shape. And they began to compare this rebuild of the temple to what Solomon's temple want, what once was. And, and they were rebuilding this temple, and they realized that it paled in comparison to Solomon's temple. Look with me, if you will, at verse 3. Who is... Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? And some of the older generation were there and began to look back and reminisce on the good old days, and here they were trying to be committed to the service that was in front of them, and yet they were discouraged because... Solomon's temple in all its glory was so amazing in comparison to this temple that they're rebuilding. They begin to get discouraged and disillusioned. And Haggai steps in as he prophetically looks over 500 years down the road and sees something that the rest of them, they don't see. And I want you to see verse 6 through 9 with me if you go to chapter 2. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. Look at this. And the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saying the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. said, Brother Evertson, what is going on here? Haggai is looking down the road. As the people are looking to the past, Haggai is looking to the future. As they're looking back at the glory and the splendor of Solomon's temple in all of its glory, Haggai is looking to Mary and Joseph who are bringing baby Jesus to the temple with their turtle doves as an offering of dedication. As the older generation is looking back to Solomon's temple in all of its glory, Haggai is looking through the eyes of faith and he sees Jesus as a twelve-year-old boy in the temple and he's hearing the doctors and asking them questions and they were astonished at his doctrine and his understanding. You see, what the people of God were not seeing was that the temple that they were working on was in fact going to grace the very presence of God. They were so focused on the way things used to be. They didn't have a spiritual perspective about the work that they were doing at the very moment. May I submit to you tonight that in a church this size, it's very easy to get into the place in your life where you feel like perhaps the area of ministry you're in is not as important as another ministry And I'm thinking tonight about the fact that in just over a month from now, that this church is going to host the Pastors and Workers Conference, and there are going to be pastors from up and down our state and across our country that are coming from various places and in various fields, and they've been laboring and they've been serving, and they're going to come into this beautiful building, and thank God, I believe perhaps the most beautiful building that's ever been built. And they're going to come to this place and they're going to enjoy the fellowship of God's people. But let me tell you what they need more than the fellowship of God's people and more than the splendor of this building, they need to experience the very presence and power of God. Haggai saw spiritually what the others didn't see. And perhaps tonight, you need to renew your spiritual sight Because if we're not careful, we get so focused on the past, we forget about the future. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, No man having put his hand in the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I love the fact that our pastor is not looking to the past. And thank God for all of the miraculous successes of North Valley Baptist Church. But tonight, in 2020, he's given to our church a 2020 vision of reaching the lost with the gospel message of Jesus Christ as we take Bibles to every home in Santa Clara. Little is much when God is in it. But we're reminded tonight that much is little when God's not in it as well. There had to be a renew, a, a renewal of selfless service. There needed to be a renewal of spiritual sight. But thirdly, tonight, there needed to be a renewal of sanctified surrender. As we come to the third message, which is found in chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. I want to draw our attention to verse 11, if you would. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread, or pottage, or wine, or oil, or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. In other words, can the holy make the unholy holy? And the answer is no. Can the unholy then make the holy unholy? And the answer is yes. And if you're here tonight and you're scratching your head, trying to figure that out it's very simple let me illustrate it for you a week or so ago a couple of our children came home sick we have six in our family four children my wife and I make six so two of them came home and they were unholy they were unclean and so what we decided to do since we were holy and since we were clean to surround ourselves around the unholy and the unclean to help them become healthy and holy. Is that the way it works? Do you follow the analogy I'm trying to share with you tonight? God is saying through Haggai... Listen, I'm thankful that you've begun this work and there's been a renewal uh, of, your, of your spiritual direction and there's been a renewal of your selfless service, but hey, your service is still unclean. It's not, it's not holy. And, and you can't get around that which is contaminated and make that clean. In fact, what's contaminated will make you unclean. And since our children have come home, they decided it would be a good thing to give it to me. They're just very giving that way, I suppose. And so I came down with it and worked my way through that. And then my wife caught it. And what went from two two in our family being uh, sick, now four of us have had it, the two that haven't have locked themselves in their room. I think this is a great illustration tonight of the wisdom of our pastor and how He has vigilantly for 44 years stood and protected our church and and our families and our Bible college here and our Christian school and the various ministries from the things of this world. And while we have to be very careful and guarded about the influences that come into our lives, let us be reminded that one bad apple spoils the bunch. And that is a biblical principle, and that's why the Bible says a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. You see, it's not enough to simply do the work of God, which so many seem to be doing today. We must do it with clean hands and a pure heart. When the Holy Spirit takes the Holy Bible and buries truth deeply within our lives, my friend, the only result that can be is holy living, because that's the way it works. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul said it this way to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Why would the Bible say true holiness? That's a good question for another time. We have many today, even pastors in churches. They've learned how to gather a crowd, but they don't have tonight a called out assembly. They've learned how to gather a bunch of people together, but it's not the body of Christ that's been purchased by the blood of Christ. Some pastors are going to stand before a holy God someday and give an account for why They've taken the precious local church and turned it into something very sinful and even looking more like a nightclub. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5:22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Lastly tonight, there needs to be a renewal of faith in the scriptures and the strength of the scriptures. The final message was preached the same day as this last message, and it was directed. To governor Zerubbabel personally, God encouraged the governor's faith. And a lack of faith always robs us of God's blessing. He says in verse 21, I will shake the heavens and the earth. He says in verse 22, don't be afraid of these kingdoms. I'm going to overthrow them and I will destroy them. Zerubbabel, you are a signet, he tells him. That's a signature ring, a, a, a signet unto me. I have chosen you. Zerubbabel, don't give up. No doubt this leader needed to be encouraged. And this must have strengthened his faith in God's word. Zerubbabel was an ancestor of Jesus Christ. His name is listed in the genealogies found in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. He was very, the very chosen by God, and he is an Old Testament type of Christ, if you would. And here Christ is, is seen as God's chosen signet, if you would, a, a precious seal. A signet speaks of authority and honor, and God was giving Zerubbabel uh, this type of authority and, and this type of honor to finish the temple just as God the Father gave to Jesus Christ authority uh, to save the lost and to and to build His temple or His church, if you would. And so tonight I, I close by asking some questions. What work has God called you to do? Have you started? And if you've started tonight, Are you going to finish are you discouraged in your work i want you to take a moment quickly and notice the wonderful promises that we see i'm going to just highlight them real quickly if you want to just underline them here in haggai as we go through this real quickly as we think about the promises chapter 1 and verse 13 says i am with you i've got that underlined in red chapter 2 and verse 5 says fear ye not chapter Two in verse number 19, I have chosen you. Wow, powerful stuff. And then he says, from this day I will bless you, chapter 2, verse 19. And then in chapter 2, verse 23, he says, I have chosen you. I got ahead of myself there. I don't know about you, but I love the song, Standing on the Promises of God. These were promises that God made to his people. Tonight, will you look at your life and consider your ways? Will you look at your spirit and ask yourself the question, do I need to renew my spirit? As David said of old in Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Are you living a selfish, self-centered life or is there an area of your life perhaps that you're living that's selfish? Are you living a life kind of focused on the past or are you focused looking spiritually at the future? Are you living a life that's separated and sanctified and consecrated to the Lord? And then lastly, are you placing your faith in the Word of God, knowing that Jesus never fails? I heard about an animal rights activist. He was on his way into a department store. And, excuse me, there was a man on the way into a department store and there was an animal rights activist outside the department store And as he was on his way in, the animal rights activist said, sir, would you donate some of your money or some of your time to our important cause? And the man looked and saw what it was all about. And he said, well, why don't I do both? That way I can kill two birds with one stone. And the animal rights activist got a little offended. They said, sir, we don't appreciate that. And he said, well, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And then he was really offended. Said, sir, we don't want your time and we don't want your money. And he said, that's fine because I have bigger fish to fry. And I tell you tonight, we don't have time to serve self. We've got bigger fish to fry. We don't have time to look back. We've got bigger fish to fry. Uh, We we don't have time to get sideways and sidetracked from serving the Lord. God says, look, you don't have time to serve with unclean hands. You you, you need to serve me. And by the way, this correlates really well with Joshua 24. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. You read that whole context about Joshua. He says, you can't serve God. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. And yet so many today are trying to do just that. And then God reminds us tonight, you're my chosen people. Will you claim my promises? Standing on the promises of God when you're discouraged, will you encourage yourself in the promises of the Word of God?
0: Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org.